0: Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Good morning, good morning. Hey, let's celebrate what God is doing. We are so thankful that you have joined us this morning. You can go ahead and grab a seat. And we wanna welcome all those that are joining us online this morning. If you are traveling to spend some time with family, we are so thankful for you and so grateful for you. Or if you're not feeling well today, uh, we are so thankful for the advancements of technology that allows you to be able to join us today. Hey, this morning we jump into our Advent series and Advent is just a season of, of waiting. Have you found yourself watching, looking, examining, noticing a, a broken world? It seems like things are not getting better, but in fact, they're, they're getting worse. And if we just simply wait and we watch without hope, To be honest with you, we can get discouraged. It can lead to seasons of despair, of of desperation. And we live in a unique position in time and in history where we have the hope that Christ came as a baby. He came to live as an example, to die as a sacrifice. But he didn't stay dead. He came out of the tomb. We serve a resurrected Savior. And because of that, we have hope. But we also wait. We wait with expectancy for one day when Christ will return and we experience the second advent. And on that day, all things will be made right. But in the meantime, we have a work to do. So if you have your Bibles, if you will join me in Daniel chapter 9, we're going to pick up in verse 1, and we're going to use this morning Daniel's example of how we can faithfully wait and watch. So Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus who became king of the Babylons. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned, now this is important, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and God and I pleaded with him in prayer and through fasting. And I also wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with with ashes. So we have to get this in our mind's eye. Daniel, he is sitting by the fireside, drinking a cup of coffee or tea, whatever is your choice of beverage in the morning. And he is reflecting. He's reflecting on God, he's reflecting on his journey, and he is reflecting on his circumstance and his condition. He's been now for 70 years, he has been held captive under a foreign king with new rules and laws and expectations. Time and time again, Daniel has been tested, but he has courageously stood firm in his convictions and his belief in the one true God. But it's important for us to note how Daniel finds himself seated in this position that day. Many of us remember the story of Israel, who was held captive by Egypt and by Pharaoh under the oppression, much like Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And God freed them. He used Moses to lead them out of slavery and to experience freedom. And as they were traveling through the wilderness and through the desert plains, the people of Israel came and they found themselves at the foot of a mountain. Many of you remember Mount Sinai. And Moses, he takes himself and he meets with God atop of this mountain, and there he receives the, the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are just expectations. they're laws. God says to the people of Israel, I want people to know my character through the way that you live here on earth. So these are the commandments, these are the laws, these are the expectations that you are going to live by that are going to govern your life. And throughout time and centuries and decades, about 600 more of these commandments, laws, expectations were were added to that. But let's give Israel a grade for a moment. How well did they live out the 10 Commandments? And They didn't do well at all. Time and time and time again, they chose self. They chose the knowledge of what they believed to be true, right, good, over what God had instructed, what God had led them to believe and had instructed to live their lives. Time and time again, Israel failed. They were not doing what God said was good, right, true, and honoring. So because of that, because of God's love and his affection, just like a good father has rules and expectations for their children, and if their children don't obey the laws, expectations, and rules of the home, there has to be consequences. God allowed Israel to be taken captive, allowed their community to be sieged, And King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, they took all of Israel, all of Jerusalem and Judea into their territory. Now, here's the thing. As we reflect on Daniel's life, was Daniel a good guy? Yeah. I mean, out of all the characters that we write kids' books about in Scripture... The way that we write kids' books out of many of those characters is we whitewash much of their lives. But, I mean, David, when we are reading his story as a child, we leave out the adulterer, we leave out the, the murderer, the deceit, the lie, the deception. But Daniel, on the other hand, he actually makes a good kids' story book. He lived life well. He was found courageous and God-honoring He made wise, good decisions time and time again, even when culture pushed up against his convictions. He stood firm and faithful. In other words, Daniel is sitting in this chair, looking around in his circumstances and condition. And he is held captive, enslaved, in bondage. He is experiencing storms, situations that he would not choose And he had very little to do with it. He didn't cause them. And many of us this morning, we know what this is like. We are experiencing a season of life, a storm in life, circumstances, or a condition that we would not choose, that is not favorable. But we had very little to do with it. So, Daniel has this deal on the table, actually two, and he has to choose one or the other. Because his circumstances are not favorable, not good, because the storms are not by his own making, is he gonna choose in this moment to be the victim? Is he gonna choose bitterness? Is he gonna take an accusational tone? Is he going to choose to excuse poor behaviors because of what was done to him? Or is he going to choose a better way, a more God-honoring way? So scripture tells us that Daniel, he opens up the scroll of Jeremiah and he is doing his devotions. And these are the words that he is reading that day. We actually know exactly what Daniel was reading. Jeremiah chapter 25, beginning in verse 8, reading through verse 11. And now the Lord of heaven's army says, Because you have not listened to me, I will gather together all the armies of the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, whom I have appointed as my deputy and I will bring them all against the land and its people and against the surrounding nations. I will, completely, I will completely destroy you and make you an object of horror and contempt, and I will ruin you forever. I will take away your happy singing and your laughter. The joyful voices of the bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard. Your millstones, they will fall silent And the lights in your homes will go out. This entire land will become a desolate wasteland. And Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So Daniel knows this prophecy to be true. He has seen the land, the nation that he loves, that he favors. He has seen his home fall to rubble, fall before him. But does Daniel in this moment, does he chose to get mad at God? God, why would you allow this? Why would you cause this? Why would you allow this to sift through your fingers? How does Daniel respond in this moment? Well, he continues to reflect on Jeremiah Chapter 29, beginning in verse 10, reading through verse 14. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I will bring you home again to your land. So Daniel, he is reflecting, on his circumstances, looking at all that has gone wrong in his life. But he is waiting because just like we, just like you and just like me, we have a promise that no matter our circumstances, no matter our condition, no matter the pain that we experience, no matter the brokenness, we have a promise that God is is good and that he is faithful, and that he is working all things, even what you're going through today, even what you've been through, even what you're getting ready to go through. God is working those for the good of all those who believe and trust in him So, Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, this is Daniel's response to his circumstance, to his condition. Daniel's beginning to realize and do the math that I was a a teenage boy between the ages of 14 and 20 when I entered into captivity. And God said that we were going to be here for 70 years. I'm now in my early 80s. Maybe there's hope. Maybe there's freedom. On the other end, maybe I will re-enter into my homeland before I breathe my last breath here on earth. So he's reflecting. In verse four, so I prayed to the Lord my God, and I confessed. I confessed, oh Lord, you are great and awesome, God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and who obey your commands. But we have sinned and we have done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and your regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our king and princess and our ancestors. And to all the people of the land, Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all of Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you, O Lord, we and our king, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord, our God, is merciful and forgiving. And even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord, our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All of Israel has disobeyed your instruction. And turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the, the solemn curse and judgment written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured down on us because of our sins. You have kept your word and you have done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true, yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster as he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all of these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting Honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and we are full of wickedness. In view of all of your faithful mercies, Lord, turn your furious anger from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. And all the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of your sins and the sins of your ancestors. So, O oh God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for our own sake. Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. My God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. And I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. Daniel, a good man who did good things, after reading the words of Jeremiah, comes to the conclusion that he is wicked. Comes to the conclusion that he is not deservant of mercy and acceptance. It's the words of Paul to his protege, Timothy. Timothy? Make no mistake about it, there is no greater sinner than I. And this leads Daniel to a place of confession and repentance. As he is watching and as he is waiting, he confesses his sin. And the sin of the people that he loves and a nation that he cherishes. I believe that we as a people, we have lost the desire and we have forgotten the power of confession and repentance. I believe that we. Enjoy taking the position of looking over the fence at our neighbor's misdoing and misbehaving. And we like to call it out. But I believe as a people, largely, I have forgotten the power and the freedom of confession and repentance. I believe that we like to come to the altar and we like to pray for freedom from what we are experiencing, that we be spared from it. We like to bring other people's burdens and sins, but we have lost the desire and the position to come to an altar and to repent, to confess, to recognize, God, you are right, righteous, you are holy, and we are wicked, I am wicked. And I know that we have been taught that each and every one of us are snowflakes or Skittle and that our voice and our opinion is God's gift to humanity. But Daniel brings into focus and perspective the words of Romans that each and every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter two, verse four says, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? Jeremiah, he also writes the words we find in Lamentations chapter three, beginning of verse 22. And these are also what brings Daniel to the place of confession and repentance. Lamentations three, chapter 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. If you perceive there being a distance between you and God, it is important for us to recognize and note that that is by our doing by our wrong understanding, or by our deliberate disobedience. Scripture reminds us that God is always pursuing us, his beloved, out of great mercy and love, with a desire to bring us back into a right relationship with him. But often because of pride and because of a victim mentality, We will drive a wedge and create distance between disobedient me and a loving, pursuing God whose deepest desire is right relationship with his creation, with his sons and with his daughters. So Jeremiah points out three characteristics that if we can understand this, we will delight and confession. And we will long for repentance because we will desire a right relationship with a righteous God. He says, because of the Lord's great love, Psalm 103 verses 10 through 11, he does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal with us harshly, as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens from the earth. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us that we are still sinners. Jeremiah 31, verse three says, long ago, The Lord said to Israel, he said to you and to I, his chosen people, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you back to myself. Jeremiah says that God is compassionate. Psalm 145, verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry, and he is filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone, and he showers compassion on all of his creation. David, on reflecting upon his adultery, his murder, his deceit, about God's compassion, writes these words. Oh, God, have mercy on me because of your unfailing love and because of your great compassion. Blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Jeremiah tells us that he is faithful. Psalm 145, verse 13 says, The Lord always keeps his promises, and he is gracious in all that he does. He is faithful. Psalm 36, verse five says, your unfailing love, O Lord, it is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. When we go through seasons of difficulty, when the things that are within our view, when we see storms on the horizon, when we are dealing with the brokenness of relationships, of what we have done or what they have done to us, when we deal with the disappointment of corporate downsizing or something that we have given our lives to turning its back on us or betraying us, when our health, our mental stability begins to decline. We have to recognize that God is good and that he is sovereign. And although he is allowing it, it is not because he is mad at you. It is not because you are such a screw up. It is not because he is so disappointed and he is taking the position of punishing you. He is refining He is pruning. He is setting you up. He is creating a platform so that he can be glorified. It is all about perspective. And when our perspective becomes filtered through the lens of the cross and we realize that God is loving and that he is compassionate and that he is faithful, we conclude what Daniel concludes, and that is that he is righteous. He is right. The word righteous means it is a relational word, and it means that you do right by someone in all circumstances and in all condition and in every way So no matter what you are going through, God's righteousness is not suffering. God's righteousness is not compromised. He is good and he is sovereign and he is faithful and he is compassionate and he is loving. So we watch and we wait and we plant our heels and our feet in a firm foundation that he is good He is a good father and he is for us. And in case we need to be reminded, Daniel refers to God's righteousness even in a season of captivity and suffering and things that he would not choose over and over again. In 9 verse 7, he says, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. Verse 14 of chapter nine, therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. But the Lord God, he is right. Whatever he chooses, whatever we're going through, it is right, he is righteous. Verses 16 through 19, oh Lord, according to all of your righteous acts, Let your anger and your wrath turn away from us. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but God, because you are merciful. Oh Lord, oh Lord, please forgive us. Oftentimes, the reason that we fail to gain a proper perspective in the seasons and in the storms and the difficulties that we are facing It's because we refuse to repent. We refuse to confess our sins. We forfeit the blessing and we compromise God's favor by claiming the promise not of freedom from guilt, shame, and condemnation, but the promise of slavery through the position of a victim. God says, if you want to know freedom, if you want to gain a proper perspective, filter everything through the lens of the cross because of my great love for you. Isaiah 55, verse 7: Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them yes turn to our god and he will be generous and he will forgive so daniel comes to this perspective and this mindset the god all things that i've experienced in my life the blessings as well as the curse you have allowed And everything that I've experienced, and as I wait and as I watch, I conclude that you are good, and that you are righteous, and that I am not. In fact, I'm wicked, but I'm not content here. I can't stay here. I desire to go there closer to your heart, closer to your image. And the way to get there is through humility, through confession, through repentance, and through allowing your Holy Spirit to ruthlessly eliminate anything that dwells in me that is not of you. And if we want to experience revival, if we want to experience healing, if we want to experience what it really means to step into the life that God has for us, it begins by us confessing, recognizing our wickedness, our offense to a holy and right God and then turning away from it, understanding and believing that we do not have the power, the authority, the insight, the intellect to do it on our own, that it only comes through a bended knee in beautiful surrender before a right God who is full of mercy, who is full of love, and who is full of faithfulness. In verse 21, we begin to see that Daniel was visited by an angel, Gabriel. And as we learned from Pastor Stephen's message two weeks ago, Daniel was given a position as head magi, as the head astrologer, if you will, to study the skies and to look for signs. And as Daniel is waiting and he is watching for the yet to come, for the not yet fulfilled promise that one day Christ will come. He begins to prepare other magi and says, listen, one day a star will appear and on that day you will begin a journey and your eyes will behold on that day what my heart has longed for for decades. And beneath that star, you will find a baby, an unassuming baby, lying in a manger, a once food trough for animals. But don't miss it, that is the fulfillment of a promise. That is hope experienced, hope realized, hope lived out. God used this season of Daniel's life to prepare the hearts of the other Magi to discover the hope that came through the first advent. And now we, we wait and we watch clinging to the promise that hope has come, but expecting hope to be realized in the form of the second advent, where one day we will stand before a righteous God and on that day, make no mistake about it, you and I will realize exactly the gap that exists between our good and His, between our righteousness and His. And on that day, Scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess holy, 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 righteous, righteous, righteous is your name. And on that day, our lives being viewed in the rear view mirror, it will all conclude that all things have worked out for that moment. And on that day, as we stand before a righteous God, may you and I hear these words Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. My son, my daughter. I have been waiting for this moment since the beginning of humanity. Now come be with me in right relationship and in right standing. And it all begins in confession and repentance and acceptance that you are Lord and you are right. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, what is God revealing in your life and in your relationships and in your heart in this moment? Is there something in your life that you need to give up, that you need to confess, That you need to repent of. And you can do so gladly, joyfully, courageously, boldly. Not because of your good standing or your good works. But because God is loving. He is compassionate. And he is faithful. as we reflect and as we remember, as we watch and as we wait, much like Daniel did on that day, what is God revealing in your heart and in your life? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to confess? Not what does they need to, or not what they did or what she said, but what do you in reflection of God's righteousness and His goodness, what do you need to confess? In this moment, right now, confess it. Give it to God. God who is slow to anger. He is quick to love and to accept and to bestow mercy upon his sons and his daughters. Before you can move forward, you have to stay here in this moment, lean into the tension. What is it in your heart, in your life that God is asking you to confess, to repent? Father, we thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you are right in all circumstances, in all conditions, in every way. Father, we recognize that there are things in our lives that break your heart. Father, we recognize that those things that are in our lives, not only do they negatively affect us, but they affect those that are around us. So Father, we ask now, as we confess, we call that sin by name and we repent of it. As we turn away from it. As we rethink the way that we think about everything. We trust and we believe and we claim the promises that because you are good and loving and compassionate and merciful, that you freely accept us. And that you do not hold our transgressions, our wrongdoing against us because of the covenant that we make with your son, Christ Jesus, who died for our sins. And because Christ died, we are freed from guilt and from shame from condemnation so when we hear that voice that produces those things, guilt shame and condemnation in our lives we recognize that's not your voice but God when we feel your arm gently cross our shoulders and as you draw us into your chest And as you whisper in our ears, you are my beloved. May we recognize our Father's voice. So Father, have your way in us and with us and through us. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.